1: Welcome to Renegade Women and Soul Care, where we share conversations with dynamic and amazing women and discuss how they navigate life while taking care of their souls and savoring their time with God. Who is this Renegade Woman? She is the woman who behaves in an unconventional manner. She is the woman who rises to the occasion of her calling, her vocation, and her passion. To overcoming to serving and to bettering the world including any other promptings that call to her soul
0: and now here's a continuation of last week's program
1: it's one of my lifetime scriptures isaiah 61 especially verse 3 the the, the beauty for ashes and yeah. so i just tell the women and people i work with the more ashes the more beauty the more beauty to the cross so it's a good exchange rate so now i'm i'm here trying to do whatever I can whatever the Lord leads to help others redeem their ashes and live into the abundant and beautiful life that that God, you know, sent Jesus to die for so they could live.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely true. And it it's like my life chapter is Isaiah sixty one.
1: Oh my gosh, we have so much in common.
2: We do, we do. Wow. So we gotta I...
1: meet. We gotta meet. We do. We must. Yes. <laughs> Maybe September. We'll
2: see. Yes. Yeah, beauty for ashes, most definitely. And I love what you said about a great exchange rate. That is going in the show notes. That's just that's priceless.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. I tried to because some people have had more ashes. Yeah, I'm like you've got to let go of them and you got to bring them to the cross. And then, and even now, I don't live in a place of denial anymore. Sure, things hurt me. I have a sister that hasn't talked to me since my mom died seven years ago, and it's painful seeing them all get together as a family and yeah. we are excluded. That's painful. I don't pretend it doesn't hurt but i say okay lord i'm giving you those ashes i'm bringing them to the cross actually Liam Payne taught me that i have a little cross and a lot of times i'll hold the cross and say there's the pain of that rejection or there's the pain of that episode and i can't wait to see what what beautiful thing you're going to make from that those ashes lord you know i don't want to hold on to them and be trapped by them and so
2: Excellent. That, that's a beautiful metaphor and a, and a beautiful visual to, um, to do for yourself personally, but also to think about mm-hmm. um, something to, to just make the ashes create beauty. Yes, 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 yes. What is the singular thing that you believe has had the biggest impact on your life and giving you success?
1: Well, it's obviously when I opened myself to a real relationship with God when I moved out of religion and the form and the rituals um, that I learned being raised Catholic uh, into that vital relationship where I could talk with God and hear him talk to me. And, right. and really the biggest impact is the word of God. I love the word of God. I love um, the power it has to transform our lives. I love uh, that we can speak it, speak those things that aren't as if they were according to Romans four seventeen. there's yes. just a, such power. So it's definitely been, my relationship with God and the fullness of a relationship with the Holy spirit, the word of God. And even, uh, you know, he didn't, I always think he didn't put us all on a little Island by ourselves just to fellowship with him. He put us around people because, right. He, you know, that's the other part of the cross. I always think the cross is such a, a beautiful picture of relationship, the strong yeah. long vertical with our, our relationship with God and then the shorter horizontal, uh, piece of the cross that exemplifies our relationship with people so but walking with other believers and it can get painful sometimes too we hurt each other but practicing forgiveness and just all the things of God all those uh you know beautiful things that he intended our lives to be founded on the the word and love and truth so that those have been the biggest impact in my life yeah yeah, that's
2: that's so important. And, and to to acknowledge it, to be able to look at it as as you've
1: mm-hmm.
2: articulated and say, you know, these are the reasons why. And um, and to share that with other people. And obviously, you can tell I'm big on share with other people. You know? Yes, I <laughs> share with other people. Um, If you could go back to your younger self and hand out free advice, what would you say?
1: You know, I would tell myself to lighten up and really love and accept myself much quicker because I spent too many years, really. I even was a self mutilator for a while. I would tear up my own skin and my face. I grew up, you know, kind of hearing you're fat and you're ugly. And I yeah. I spent years trapped there and internalized it and just really had to battle self-hatred. That was another place where Leanne Payne's Pastoral Care School, she, she actually said that she's written books on restoring the Christian soul. And she says that three things that keep us from wholeness are uh, self-hatred, not forgiving ourselves and not forgiving others. And I would really um advise myself to love and accept myself and make the most of yeah what God would give me much sooner. Cause I spent a lot of years trapped in envy and jealousy. And when we're envying someone else's gift or being jealous, we're diminishing our own sure. personhood mm-hmm. and our own gifts. We're we're it's a it's a futile mental uh, gymnastics you know that that leads nowhere but to depression and destruction so i would say get out of that quickly stop wasting time and energy in that trap because i think i spent you know several decades there and i that's the beauty for the ashley i said god redeemed the time that i wasted but i would say stop wasting time and really love and accept yourself because you only get one of you and god made you unique and really develop the gifts he's put in you and if, and stop envying being other people's gifts.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so powerful. So, so powerful. Well, what women have inspired you, Maria?
1: You know, I was thinking a lot about this, probably when I heard about mother Teresa going mm-hmm. to Catholic school, she really, I just, because I grew up feeling unloved and had been bullied for being, you know, the chubby kid and all that. I, and hearing her desire to love the poor and let them see the face of God and a smile on someone's face before they died, I really carried her message in my heart. I actually got to go to India and go into one of her homes. I didn't get to meet her. She had already passed, but it was such a beautiful oasis of light and love yeah. in the slums of India. So she she greatly influenced me. And then, you know, there's been others. I grew up when I, well when I was raising my son, we'd watch Joyce Myers and her yeah. message. And, uh, and I think a lot of women have, uh, you know, different parts of different women. I I like to, I often do the Beth Moore studies and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But then I just, you know, really love the quiet, gentle woman, the woman, like I think of some, there was a woman at my church and she's, nobody would know her name, Mildred Hodges, but she always, had a twinkle in her eye and lit up when she saw you. And she gave you the biggest hug. She felt like God himself was hugging you. And she had such a servant's heart. Like when I I took my mother-in-law into our home here in Santa Rosa, we moved her from Kentucky after her stroke. And she ran, Mildred ran a Young at Hearts ministry. And they'd come pick my little mother-in-law Dorothy up and love on her even though she was a transplant and at her age in her 80s to move across the states to a place she didn't know anybody with no friends except us and Mildred would love her Mildred came it makes me tear up today Mildred would come and give her communion in her bed Mm -hmm. when she was close to the end of her life and she'd kiss her on the cheek and just love on her and that woman it just was like liquid love she exuded the love of God so she she greatly inspired me and I think, uh, you know, it's those types of people that are the unsung kind of heroes, you know, behind the scenes that nobody really knows about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And
2: oftentimes those are the ones that have the biggest impact. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. What soul care practice do you do and how do you feel once you've tended to your soul?
1: Well, for me... My biggest soul care really is my time alone with the Lord, praying, mm-hmm. reading the Word. My husband and I do pray every morning together, and we read from this wonderful devotional book, Experiencing God by the Blackerbees, one of our favorite. And uh, but also when I sit at the piano and I just worship, that's very soulful to me. And I'm also, you know, a health and wellness coach, so I I need to exercise. I need those endorphins, right? And I love to walk in nature. I love to swim. I love to ride bikes. I love to hike. Um, those are, those are ways that I also care for my soul because it's, you got to fill your cup. And especially if you do work trying to help other people, you want to make sure you're operating from a a full cup there and you're not running on empty. So I think, um, and I, and, and relationship too, just being with friends fills my cup and, and, uh, you know, it's part of my soul care too, because I'm a people person. I get energized being around people. So, yeah, especially today where you don't even talk that much, and where you get a text, you don't get to hear a voice or see a face so right. much. It's so much online and with texts, and I still like face to face.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I w- I want to be in the presence of the person, if at all possible. Yeah, It, it it's very meaningful to me. Um, why do you feel that soul care is important you sort of spoke about it but any additional thoughts on that
1: well I think it's essential not just important Mm. because again so many people are running on empty or they're not taking care of themselves and I when I watched my mother decline at the end of her age and she spent so much time caring for other people but then my husband made the comment he's a physician that, she, you know, she was deteriorating because she hadn't taken good care of herself. And I realized where our health and I when I say our health, I mean, emotionally, spiritually and physically yeah. is, a, is really a form of our greatest wealth. And we need to invest in it because she yeah, ended up meeting yeah. round the clock caregivers. And I think when people don't take care of their soul and, and, you know, the soul and the body are connected. So I have a hard That's time separating them. Then they're, they're, you know, they're hindering or diminishing really the full, their full capacity to live a life, but also to love other people. Self-love is critical. I mean, it does say love Mm -hmm. the Lord, your God with all your heart runs, love your neighbor as yourself. If you're not doing a great job loving yourself and caring for yourself, you're, I I don't believe you're really doing a good job loving other people because it's, 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 you're broken there. And, and so I think that, I mean, I even believe in, even in the workplace, there should be breaks, self care. I don't like. I don't like as a teacher, or what I observe in many work environments where we demand more and more time. I watched my husband burn out as a physician, the long hours. I'm like, this yeah. is not even. This is not how we're supposed to live. And I love the Japanese. They make recreational breaks a part of the day. The exercise yeah. break. It's a They they get it that and music and it, they just understand that we're not supposed to be working ourselves to the bone. This is not how we live. And and I really feel like if people practice better self-care as a culture, as a society, we wouldn't see some of the problems we see. I absolutely
2: I, agree. I, I absolutely agree. and And that's why I'm a soul care coach, because I believe, as you know, you've just stated that we have to take care of that very special, sacred,
1: space mm-hmm.
2: that mm-hmm. God created us to have, again, so that we can share it. But but we have to nurture it and, and we have to take such good care of it. And I think it's been about two weeks ago now, and I, I've shared it on a couple of the other interviews that I've done for our book, uh, A Kingdom Word Now. But I was, you know, in my devotional time and the Lord said, Arlena, you need to love yourself the way that Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. And I just was like stopped in my tracks. I mean, I take good care of myself. I'm kind to myself. I've overcome a ton of stuff, you know, and all of that. But it was like another level of um, this is how you should be loving yourself the exact way that Jesus loves you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I went, wow. Wow, so powerful! Very powerful. yes, yes, and it is so important. And I agree with you that I think that a lot of the problems that we see in the world, not just in our uh, in our country, are because of depravity of the soul. So yes. I I feel very strongly about nurturing that in people and people and trying to make a difference in that way.
1: Me too. We're, we're soul yeah. sisters. we're soul
2: sisters we, on that one. We <laughs> are soul sisters. I love it. Well, I know that you have, but my next question is, have you ever experienced deprivation of the soul? And would you mind explaining what that was like oh, for you? Yeah,
1: I mean, early yeah. on as a kid feeling so unloved and rejected, but even as I said, even as a believer, I got to a place where I really felt I'd been listening. I would, uh, I had started teaching, got my credential after I went to Berkeley. I, I got went back and got a credential. I was teaching, but I was, something was definitely missing, even as a Christian. And I was listening to Jack Hayford on the radio teach about the book of Nehemiah and how it was an analogy to Nehemiah was like the Holy spirit. who wanted to rebuild our broken walls. And Mm -hmm. I was battling depression and anxiety. And I thought, how can this be as a Christian tells us in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything. And I started seeking out some prayer and some counseling. And it really was kind of a dark night of the soul. I I Mm -hmm. got to experience a newness of life after that, but it was really a time where I uh, just felt, I call it my dark night of the soul. I don't think we're limited to just one. I had another one later after pregnancy and and raising my son. I had another one where I really (laughs) needed to God, they're just opportunities to go deeper with the Lord yeah. to, un, to unshackle something else or get another dead branch pruned off of us so we can bear more fruit. But uh, it was a place that I I really needed to release pain that I would kind of stuffed. What I realized is that because my dad was so such an angry man, I mean, <laughs> sad, but it's the only emotion I can remember him really expressing yeah. was anger. And so I think as a little girl, I made a vow that I would... I'll never get angry. I don't, I don't want to be angry because I felt like I was often the victim of this anger. But, you know, anger is a God-given emotion appropriate right. in certain situations. So what, what I did was turn my anger inward and it was yeah. became depression. And so I had to really do some intense counseling, get that pain up and out. And I call it my year of tears. I just spent a year. <laughs> I yeah. thought I was going to, I laid down my teaching job. I thought I was going to go travel, go to Israel, do ministry. And God's like, oh no, we got, I got another plan for you. And it really was the year I just got in touch with pain. I had uh, kind of buried my own sexual abuse yeah. and some stuff that I experienced and just stuffed down there. And he was like let's let's pull back the rug let's get what's that underneath there out up and out so there's room for the the abundant life i had for you so i really did um experience that and and that has probably give, fueled a lot of my passions now because i really am a protector of children especially yeah. I mean Nelson Mandela said it well. It's easier to build children than to repair adults. Well, yes, I needed a lot of repair work, and repairing adults is like jackhammering through cement. I'd rather yep. get to them as kids. So that's kind of that's where I I feel even now I go back into the schools as a sub, and I I don't necessarily have to, but I love being having a person sure. and teaching kids how to forgive. I teach them how to wash hearts and and about the bowling thing, and I I just feel it's very important to to build kids wherever I can. Oh, that's beautiful.
2: That is absolutely beautiful. And it's true. It's so true. As as we start with the little ones, Uh hopefully we have the opportunity to pour in and lift up and guide and Uh and fill and, um, and all of those things. And I want to tell you a quick story about my elder son and his eldest son who is three and a half. And my son has been telling his son, nothing is impossible you you have to do and nothing is impossible and you can do anything and so all all of this stuff and so my son picked my grandson up from school one day and my grandson said dad let's go to starbucks and get a cake pop and just you know random response was my son said that's impossible and my grandson said <laughs> dad dad nothing is impossible <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. Out of the, the mouth music. of babes. But <laughs> just the pouring into the power words, the, the power thoughts, you know, this kid's first response was, nothing's impossible, dad. Come on, let's go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> More is, yeah, we, they catch those things and they're great reminders of them, the, word, the very words we speak to them. Huh?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned this just a moment ago, but tell me what your passion piece is right now you mentioned passion
1: yeah well i think because of my bullying experience and i i get so angry and tired and uh, just des- despairing of these constant mass shootings we see and yeah. i i feel i have a real desire to begin this movement of really helping students and children young age but but adults too to really learn to communicate in ways that make others feel honored and special yeah. and, and communicate uh, empathy and gratitude, but forgiveness, because I see forgiveness releases hearts that are trapped in pain that yeah. can later later lead to self-harm or suicide or going in and harming other people. Right. And so, I, I mean, I've watched whole classrooms reconcile when the with when both the bullies and the bullied students choose Absolutely. to forgive one another mm-hmm. i've forgiveness brings freedom so i'm on a mission when i go into classes i tell my own little bullied story and we talk about i've i've coined this term that i believe the lord gave me we need to wash our hearts because yeah. just like our teeth need to be brushed and our bodies need to be washed our hearts get dirty so we we have a discussion around what makes our hearts dirty meanness and jealousy and, and envy and you know bullying and all that kind of thing and then how to wash them and we talk about mm. forgiveness and so then I've watched really it's been beautiful whole classrooms of kids get up individually to ask students for forgiveness and wow and we talk about how it's not a one-time event you don't brush your teeth right. once a week it needs to happen daily so they're clean and free to receive love again that going back to my mm. favorite four-letter words yeah so I think it's it's something I'm on a, a mission I uh just have done those podcasts around it, and I'm just—I really want to t- teach teachers at home. And right. I ask the students, how many know adult that most of them know somebody who's not talking to somebody who's holding on to that grudge. Some people carry it to the grave. They don't realize right. how much it affects their health, emotionally mm-hmm. and physically. And so I'm really on a mission. I think it's because also in scripture and. Matthew 20, 24, I believe is it says you know in the last days the love of many is going to grow cold and I'm I'm determined yeah, yeah. to do my part to make sure that's that's not happening and I know forgiveness is tied to that so that's probably just the, the idea of you know we'll do circle time in the classroom and they they can learn to say uh, thank you and I'm sorry I feel like you know the, they they learned the two vital skills in life and to spare one kid from carrying that heartache and then later inflicting self-harm or, or becoming one of these people that goes into different public yeah. arenas and takes out a lot of innocent people. I just, uh that, then my life will matter in a great, <laughs> a great mission. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's very beautiful. And, and so painfully necessary. And um I thank you for, taking that charge on to nurture the souls of our, you know, our young people and to teach them, um, how to navigate, you know, some of the rough spots of being a kid and Mm -hmm. how to bring forgiveness and joy and love and kindness and empathy to all situations. So
1: that is
2: absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing.
1: It's interesting too, um, that, uh, Arlana, I asked the students a lot of times. Do you think it's easier for kids to do this, or if I went into mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. school office or a, uh, you know a business and said, "Hey, how many of you need to wash your hearts, get right with each other? You've got you've been gossiping about each other. You're bitter. You got a grudge," and they knew it was easier for them. And because I've watched kids, they'll be mad as heck at recess by lunch, the best friends again, right? You know, and stuff. Uh, but adults can carry this stuff for so long. So it's it's a you know i'd love to get into that setting too because it really to me i call it heart hygiene what's in scripture it says above all else above everything else guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life so i think we need more attention spent on what are we allowing in our hearts and how do we yeah. guard them and then how do we get rid of the things that shouldn't be in there so that's i'm a heart lady i'm a heartpreneur i'm a oh so my yeah
2: so am I. yeah it's all about the heart, and my life verse is Psalm one nineteen eleven, and it mm-hmm. is I have hidden your word in my, in my heart. Might not sin against sin you. against
1: you. That's I important. feel
2: like if I have His word in my heart, I have everything I need. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I just that's that's one of my one of my things is heart. Where's your heart? How's your heart? So um,
1: very, beautiful. very very. Beautiful. Do you have any final thoughts? I just want to encourage people to really examine their hearts and ask the Lord to help them clear anything that's getting in the way of them receiving his love and then sharing it with other people, because that's, you know, when I was detoxing from all the Christianese and God told me, you know, if your job's to love people, Maria, you're never going to be unemployed. And I just, but I got to keep my love funnel clear of the envy or resentment or judgments and that was a big one. He was showing me how judgment hinders love flow. If I'm judging somebody, I can't love them. It stops the yep. love flow. And I don't yep. want to be judged. So I need to, again, that just that golden rule, if we could treat other people the way we want to be treated. So just an exhortation, because I know at the end of our lives, it's never going to be matter how big our bank accounts or our homes were. It's just going to really be about how we made other people feel by the kind yep. words we spoke and how well we love them. And that's really how we change lives. So absolutely go out and love sincerely, love generously, and because it doesn't fail. Absolutely true. Thank you for these beautiful, empowering,
2: and powerful words of wisdom that you have shared today. I'm so thankful myself personally that we are both authors in a kingdom word now, which is a 30 day devotional that'll be coming out soon because I'm, I'm grateful to know you and I look forward to getting to know you better and, um, and seeing where God leads us.
1: Yes, me too. Me too. All right. Well, thank
2: you so much and, um, blessings to you.
1: And if people want to get a hold of me, can they just do oh, that? Oh,
2: absolutely. On- yes. I had the notes, but please take it away. Where they can they can get-
1: just um they can just find me at my name, Maria com, C-R-A-N-E. And that has my children's book and the collection of songs, and they can hear it on YouTube too. But uh yeah, I'd love to help people, especially if they feel like their own heart is trapped in unforgiveness. I, I want them to experience the joy of having that, you know, cleared and free to love again. So that that's yeah, a great story. Thank absolutely. you. Thank, thank you, Arlana. It's been a joy to be here.
2: All right, mine too. Blessings. Blessings to you. Bye-bye.
1: As we conclude this episode of Renegade Women and Soul Care, please remember to always take time and make time for soul care and soul prayer. May you be blessed with peaceful nights and gentle days.